Hey, New City Faith family, thanks for joining us for our teaching time this morning as we continue our series called Freshly Squeezed as we're talking about how to both experience some of these amazing concepts and blessings of Christ's teaching and then how do we express them out to others as well. And, you know, we've been talking about kind of this back and forth living of how do you take things in and give them out. And it reminds me kind of like, you know, growing up playing on a playground in a, on a seesaw, right? Or a teeter-totter. It's, uh, it's no fun to sit on one of those by yourself. It doesn't, doesn't do anything. You just stay in the down position. You can kind of kick up a little bit, but it'll never do what it's designed to do. And so many of us often live our Christian lives just plop down trying to say, this is who I am. This, God, give me this. God, give me this. God, give me this. And we never live our lives with motion and activity and engage with other people by expressing the things that we're also experiencing in our life. And so these chapters in Second Corinthians that we've been journeying through tell us basically how to, how to both experience the things of God and then express them out to others and live in this balanced lifestyle. And uh, it's just natural, right, when you think about it. But we get sometimes our mind gets clouded and we let selfishness creep in and we think, no, this is all mine. This is Christian life is about me. And we end up just sitting on the one side of the seesaw with nothing happening. And so the challenge that I want to give us and the challenge Paul lays out for us here in Second Corinthians is living with movement, living with with intent and purpose and doing things that are impacting other people and impacting our lives at the same time. So today we're going to jump into the next concept that he lays out in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. So however you access your copy of God's Word, if you want to go there, 2 Corinthians 9, the verses will be on the screen uh, today as uh, we get to them. So if you uh, and connect that way, that's great as well. But I want, to, I want to start by going back to last week and the concept that we talked about last week of compassion. Remember, we, we defined compassion as both something God demonstrates for us, what we demonstrate to others. But there was an equation we used, which was empathy plus opportunity plus action equals compassion plus response, right? Equals compassion. So I have to actually feel for somebody, connect my life. And we talked a lot about that last week, how God loves us and we should genuinely love others. And then look for unique opportunities, look for moments where I can do and be my part and respond and get connected and then actually to respond to do something in response put it into action and that part of action is what we're going to look at today how do we actually move forward with demonstrating compassion and that brings us to the word of generosity and the concept of generosity living being generous and we want to look just at two verses today out of Second Corinthians 9. Uh, but this whole chapter really deals with it. So again, I would encourage you, read the chapter. There's some narrative Paul puts in there about examples of people and really challenging them to step forward. But I think the core of learning about generosity is found in just a couple of verses. And those verses are verses 6 and 7 of chapter 9. And so let me read those, and then we'll use those as our teaching platform today. It says this. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Everyone must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly 
are under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving, right? Generosity. What is generosity? I know when I hear that word, I often think about just being charitable, our willingness to give something to others. But the concept of generosity, I think, is something more than that. It's certainly a piece of it, but it's more than that. And the easiest way I know how to describe how we both experience and express generosity as we walk through this Christian life is by living with open hands, like being willing to receive things, receive generosity from others, but also not beginning to clutch them and own them and think they're only ours, but keeping our hands open and allowing people that are in need to take what they need from us as well. It's, you know, it's this idea of a, when I first was thinking about this, this idea of a, a kitchen pantry, right? You don't just store things in there and you never use them. You bring them into your home that you don't use them. You you actually put things in there so that when it's time to cook a meal or prepare something, you open that, you pull the ingredients you have out, put something, mix it together in the right way, and you create something that wasn't there before. All these different ingredients. And, and that's living open-handedly. It's allowing things to come into our lives, but not stockpiling them, not hiding them in the basement or in some, you know, place where we can't get to. It's putting them in our pantry so that when it's time for us to then put something out for other people, we can pull the right ingredients to do that. And this is what we're going to talk about. This is that sowing and reaping aspect, right, that he talks about. And then, and the word giver here, when he talks about being a cheerful giver, the word to give, the, the word here uh, may, may better be better uh, translated as the word bestow, to bestow or be a bestower uh, to someone. And that word carries much more meaning than just the idea of giving because bestow means that you actually, like what I just talked about with that pantry, you put things in your life into use to create something to give, bestow to someone, something of yours that you're bestowing on somebody else. Uh, the easiest way I can describe this, the difference in just giving something and bestowing something is like, you know, you're invited to a birthday party, you're running late, you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't gotten them anything. What do you do? You stop at the uh, store, you know, in your apartment, you grab a gift card. Uh, you may think, okay, I like this gift card, I'll grab it, put it in there, write a card and go. And we're off to the party and it's fun. We open it, oh, thanks, I enjoy the gift card. And I, now I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do with this and, and figure out. That, that, that's giving and there's nothing wrong with that. But bestowing would be getting the invitation to that, thinking about that person, and then spending time and energy of your life go, what is it that I could uniquely create for this person based on what I know about them, how I care about them, what I see that is needed in their life, and then I spend time handcrafting a gift and taking that and giving it to them. Where in them receiving it, they don't then have to figure out what to do with it. It actually meets a need in their life. You've bestowed something of value into their life because you know them, you understand them. And that goes back to that even compassion of last week of having our lives intertwined together. And this is, again, that open-handed mindset that's different than just giving, you know, reaching in my cabinet and grabbing a can of beans and saying, here, go make some dinner for yourself. Instead, it's me pulling out the 10 ingredients that I have in my life and using them to put together to create a beautiful meal for someone that they get to enjoy on their, you know, without them having to put the work into it as well. And before I go on any further again about how we do this for other people, 
And this was already demonstrated to us through Christ, right? God saw us. He knew us in our biggest point of need. We talked about that in that passage of Ephesians last week, where it was in our desperate moments, our deepest need, that God gave us the best gift of the sacrifice of Christ, that God has bestowed upon us the gift of eternal life filled with hope and peace and joy, not based on something we have to do. He didn't throw us ingredients and say, you cook it. He put it all together and gave it to us on a beautiful platter that we just have to receive and partake of. So God has done this for us and he continues to do this. And when we remember that, and, and not to just God do that, and I'll have other people do that to us in our lives. But I think as we read through this passage, Paul is going to show people kind of how to open up their hands by identifying some things that cause us to want to close our hands and not live open-handedly to receive things and to give things, to, to look and go, what can I pull out of my life to put together to give to somebody else? And so what, here's what I'm doing in the next few minutes. Let's talk about some reasons we close our hands while we live with closed hands instead of open hands in our life that we find here in this passage. And I think the first reason that we often close our hands is this, is we think generosity is simply about money. That it's about money. And Paul starts off verse six, and he simply says that the point is this. And you know what? Even though Paul's writing this letter and he's speaking to them personally, it's like he can hear what he's thinking. All right, you talked about compassion in the last chapter. Now you're, you know, at the beginning of this chapter, you're telling us about it. You're getting ready to ask us for money. And, you know, maybe we think even that in church, you, you sitting in a service or you go to a presentation and you're like, oh, okay, here comes the ask for money. How much is this going to cost me? And you know what? There's part of me that wishes Paul would have just done that. That would have just said, look, here's how much money you have to give every month to be considered generous. You give this percentage of your income. You give this amount every month or every year. You can be considered generous. You can knock it off of your list. But it, Paul's not trying to get into their pockets to get more money. He's actually trying to talk about what's going on in their heart. And that's when he says, the point is this. He's saying, look, generosity is not about money. It is about learning to have a giving spirit. And giving means so much more than just putting cash in a basket or swiping a card or dropping you know, something to somebody that you think is in need. The truth is the easiest way to give is to give money. And, and when we study this passage and other passages in scripture that Paul uses and other writers use to talk about what it means to actually give versus just writing a check or swiping a card and using money, we see that giving is so much more than money. In Hebrews chapter 10, uh, it gives us a beautiful reminder of what it means to be generous by giving our time to other people. Not our money. Sure, money isn't, we can use money, but time, right? How we spend our lives with other people, how we connect our lives with other people. This is how we actually know what the needs are in their life. This is going to help us to then be better at giving just a gift card to somebody or the ingredients to somebody and knowing who they are and what's going on in their life. Give people time for interactions in your life. Slow down. Listen. Listen to what's going on in their life. You don't have to solve it. Sometimes people just want to be heard. So give time for interactions. Give people time even when it's inconvenient. You know, I, it's easy maybe to grab a few minutes here or there, but 
Sometimes it costs you, it's inconvenient to give time, but it's often those are the times that are most in need. Give people also time to grow and develop. Don't think, oh, I can't, I can't spend any more time with that person. They, they just frustrate me every time I'm around them or they've done something in the past that, and I just, I'm, I'm done. It, give them time to grow and develop. But in the book of Colossians, it tells us a different way to give, not just to give time, but in Colossians, there's a passage that talks about how we're to generously bear with one another and walk through this life with each other. And this is giving relationally, right? It's giving room for each other to struggle uh, through things, to, to fall short and stand back up together. This type of giving is often much more difficult than money. And here's how we can give people things relationally is give people the benefit of the doubt. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them a, a chance, second chance, third chance. Give them the, the benefit that this was a mistake. It wasn't the intent of their heart to, to mess up or to do something wrong with you. Listen to them. Give people forgiveness. Give them a second chance. And then give people an opportunity. Again, a, an op this opportunity to grow and develop. So you can give time, getting to understand who they are, give relationally, connecting our lives with them and and I think when we do those two things, it helps us to know who that person is in such a way that when it comes time to be generous in their life, we start to understand what can we can prepare for them. What can we bestow upon them? You ever been in a relationship where somebody thinks they're giving you something, like just giving it? And what, actually what they give you is more of a burden than it is a help. Like you're like, oh, thanks. I I appreciate uh, this, you know, brand new, you know, whatever. It's something that, and you've got no room in your house for it, in your apartment for it. You can't even put it. You don't know how to give it away. It, it's creating more of a burden. You have to like go pick it up. It, it's just whatever, you know. And just, I'm even at that point just talking about something. But what about when somebody invites you into certain things because they don't they don't understand your passions or who you are, and they invite you into something that that drains you instead of brings joy into your life. When we give time and we give relationally, we begin to understand who that person is so that we can then bestow the right things upon them. So that's the, that's the first thing that closes our hand is when we just think that giving is about, generosity is about money. And so we, we, we're like, okay, that I'm not gonna give you really anything of meaning. I'm not gonna put time and effort into it, but I'll, I just have to give it, I'll, I'll give a little money, but that's truly not generosity, that's still holding on. The second reason I think we keep our hands closed sometimes and don't live open-handedly is that we think generosity then is simply about the act of giving, right? Let me just, okay, I got to give something and more than money. So, you know, let me start measuring again and, and look how Paul finishes verse six here. He says again, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And Paul used these two words, sow and reap to remind us that giving isn't an end point. It's not the end point. Like, okay, I did that. I'll never see it again. It's gone. Instead, giving is a beginning point. Generosity isn't just giving. It is investing. It brings a return back in our lives. He says it here. Whatever you sow, you will reap. If you sow sparingly just a little bit, you're not going to get that much in return. But if you actually give time and compassion and resources and put all those together and you spend the time to build something to put into somebody's life that you know will meet a need in their life, 
specifically, then you're going to have great return. When, when I forget this, when I think it's just about, okay, I got to give something. You know what? I, I grow weary in giving and giving and giving. I become mentally, relationally, even financially exhausted. And there's times like, I, you know, I can't buy anything for anybody more this month. I'm out of money, so I can't give anymore. I've had too many meetings. I can't, I can't give mentally or relationally anymore. And, and it isn't about that I'm giving something to receive something back and I'm measuring these things. It's realizing that, that when I give the right way, when I'm bestowing something, value into somebody's life, it actually is, as I bestow something, it grows something in my life. It starts to grow things in my life. And this is where uh, I think there's a couple things that we grow here. And the first one is it grows contentment in our life. Giving brings contentment in our life. And that sounds weird. It seems like the more I give away, the less contentment I would have. But when we start to live generous lives, we stop thinking about accumulation and start thinking about distribution. Things that I acquire, we start thinking, aren't just for me. They are for we. They're for us. I'm not hoarding things for my own benefit. I'm gathering things. Things come into my life so that one day I can put these things together that we have a beautiful moment together as I'm able to bestow something of value upon you. I, I stop comparing things in my life to other people. I stop, you know, here's someone who gets a great apartment for little money or I hear about a purchase they made and think that they don't deserve that. Or start complaining and start to feel inadequate and less content when I see what they have hoarded in their life and I, I don't have enough hoarded up in my life. But when I give with open hands, I start to see things that I have not as mine to guard and protect, but instead as something new to give and share, to bring peace and contentment and let it allow it to flourish in my life. It's like you find a secret ingredient and you're like, oh, I got this. Not, not that it's just for me, so that when people come over, I'm going to be able to make something amazing and beautiful, something that we get to enjoy together. And it brings contentment. I don't keep that hidden in the back like I'll never use it. No, as soon as somebody comes over, I know we'll enjoy that. And it'll bring meaning into life. I, I use it. And, and this, this idea of contentment is one of the hardest battles we face, I think, in our Western capitalistic culture. It's coming to the grips with this idea that there is, I can have enough. I can be content. We're told every day to buy more, buy bigger, accumulate more stuff, trade up, that there is no amount of things that will actually bring you contentment. A new iPhone model comes out and we have to trade in and go to it immediately. Even though this one was being perfectly good until I heard about the new one, right? It's this cycle. But I want you to, what I want you to hear is this. You already have enough because you have the most valuable thing in all of creation, which is God's love for you. God's deep abiding love for you. You are enough and you have enough. Doesn't mean that we should maybe turn down a raise or look for a job that, you know, helps meet financial needs a little better. And I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying, when we get on that hamster wheel that never ends, are we, again, using this idea of the pantry when we just keep going, I need a bigger pantry to put more stuff in for when I need it. And I'm gonna, it becomes a storage unit and another storage unit and another storage unit of things. 
and then I still want more instead of actually using what I have to pour into people's lives, that's when we lose contentment. And learning to, to give generously grows contentment in our life. But the second thing I think it grows is this, not just contentment, but learning to bestow things upon someone grows character in our life, grows beautiful character in our life. And and this is where the the return comes, right? The, the what you sow is what you're, we're making. We give something, we sow something. And investment is the growth. Generosity becomes to grow our character. Instead of being defined by what we have, we start being defined by who we are. Who we are as people. You aren't the person with a nice car, luxury apartment, expensive jewelry, designer clothes, big fat checking account. Instead, you are the person who cares. You're a person who shows compassion, loyalty, who's genuine, authentic, and gracious. You're a person of love, of respect, and of honor. People aren't impressed with your possessions. Instead, they are impressed with the quality of character you possess. And this is what generosity grows in us, true character. So when we learn to bestow, there's this thing that's just about giving. No, it's not. It's investing. It is, as we give, we will, things will grow in us and contentment and character will grow in us. I think the third reason we close our hand that Paul talks about here is that we think is generosity is something I then must do. It's compulsion, right? Look at what he says in, in verse seven here. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Paul here isn't trying to win an argument or convince you to give. It's not what he's doing. Instead, he's trying to remove the restraints of our life that keep us from naturally bestowing things upon people, right? This selfishness, this idea, and I'm not being content, not having the right character. We stop thinking about it as just money and we, there's just an act of giving. And instead we start looking at it as investing. And then we move from doing so reluctantly and under compulsion and we do so as generosity begins to naturally start to flow out of our lives. The desire to do more grows. It's not a compulsion. But here's where we often get tricked and where we want to close our hands. Because when we equate generosity with just a, it's just a duty to give, we end up thinking, how little can I do to meet that obligation? When we think it's compulsory, we're like, okay, all right. This part of being what a Christian means, tell me how much, tell me how much time. And we, we start creating those checklists, right? Of, and it's great to do something, but you know what we end up doing when we just doing the minimum? What he talked about, we're going to sow sparingly. We're going to reap sparingly. You're still going to, you're not going to have true deep contentment in your life. Your character will still be, you know, in, in a process where it's not quite giving out of the right reasons. And this is Paul this is why Paul says each of us must give, but he, he had to qualify there. He doesn't just say each of us must give, period. He says, no, each of us must give as we are directed by our hearts. As we are directed by our hearts. And this is, what is compassion calling us to bestow upon it? What can I? Not, what is it that I can do? What is it that I see here that I'm uniquely gifted to do for this person in this situation. That's what we talked about. We can't do everything. But what is the part that I get to do? What, what can I do? 
instead of what must I do? And, and those are two completely different ways because what I'm, what I must do is like, all right, I'll, I'll pull a little bit out and I'll give you that. Or what can I do opens up every resources I have. And we start looking at our inventory and go, ah, now I see what I can do for this person. And, and I think one of the ways that we kind of keep, causes us to close our hands in this area is that we love to keep score, right? We love to, when, when we see an opportunity in our lives, we're like, okay, I can open up the paint. Oh, no, no, hold on. Before I open it all up, what has this person done for me? Like how much have they actually given to me? And that, that's what we, like we're looking at scorekeeping versus realizing it really doesn't mean anything what they've done for me. That That's not the principle Paul teaches here. Because he's saying what I do, what I bestow into their life is going to grow contentment and character back in my life. I should be able to open up every pantry door in my life and pull from any ingredient to bestow because I'm not keeping score. Because the true score is not what they do for me, but what's growing in me. And, and then I think the second thing that keeps us from, from living out this out of compulsory is, is we, we start thinking, oh, well, I could do something, but I don't have the time right now. And, and we, what I would challenge you to do is to start finding ways to respond immediately. You don't have to, you do have to take time sometimes, but there's easy ways to be like, if somebody just needs a prayer and they ask you to pray for them, you know what you can immediately do is pray. Stop and pray right there, silently, or you see somebody in need and you think, I, I can pray for that person. Then do it, do it in that moment. You know, if maybe you know somebody needs to have a conversation and you can't give two hours of a meeting in that moment, maybe you can give 10 minutes right there and you tell them, hey, right now, I can't have a deep, long conversation about this, but I can give you 10 minutes to at least start this and let me understand what you're going through so I can better then pull the ingredients out to respond. So, so start responding immediately, stop keeping score, but then there's another beautiful aspect of how we move from compulsion to what I must do to what I can do, and it's start responding with others. Bring others into it. There, there are only, remember, you know what I said, there are things I can do. I look in my pantry and my cabinet and my beautiful, you know, whatever God has bestowed upon me, and I go, I can pull this together. Maybe I can make the dessert, but I know my friend over here could do a beautiful appetizer. My friend over here could do a great main course of what this person needs in their life. And so I'll reach out to them. And do you know what I'm doing there? Not only am I growing in my character and, and my contentment, but I'm also growing in community and depth with those that I'm serving with. One of the most beautiful things about being generous is being generous with other people together, helping to meet a need. Not just that person, but the beauty of working with others to meet a need together. And that's a great part of being a faith family. So, as we end today, I have a question for you. Where do you need to experience or express generosity today? Where, where, are you, where do you have your hands closed in your life? Where maybe you're not willing to receive this beautiful gift of love and grace that God has bestowed upon us, this beautiful gift of sacrifice and hope and joy that he formed and fashioned because he knows us so well. Where are you keeping God distant and are not allowing his generosity to be poured into your life? But then where, in what relationships 
And what opportunities are you keeping your pantry doors closed? And, and just pulling out an ingredient here or there and throwing it somebody instead of pulling it wide open and saying, what can I put together out of all of these things that God has bestowed upon me to make and to bestow upon somebody else? I believe if we take just a moment, it doesn't take us long to think of somewhere we can be generous and bestow a beautiful gift to somebody this week. If you want to talk about this, you want to talk about how to take in the gift that God has bestowed to us of a relationship, a reconciled relationship to Him through Christ, I'm happy to talk to you about that. Uh, My email will be on the screen and you can email me directly and I'll be happy to respond and set up a time to meet in person or over Zoom or text, whatever's the easiest way to communicate. One of the great ways to take this teaching and to direct it deeper into our hearts and our lives is to talk about it with other people. And right now at the end of this teaching time, uh, you can join others in our faith family on a Zoom conversation. If you're watching this live on Facebook on Sunday morning, you can click in the comments area and there'll be a link to a Zoom uh, chat room that you can jump on in just a few minutes. There'll be eight or 10 of us on there to talk about this. And and we spend about 45 minutes discussing this. Uh, If you don't have access to the comments, you can go to our website, new-citychurch.com slash Zoom, and the link uh, will be there. Uh, And then if you go on our website, you can go to our groups page, and there you can find other groups that meet during the week, some on Tuesday or Wednesday that do the exact same thing. They'll take today's teaching and talk about it with you. Uh, And this is, again, a way that we grow community together. So I want to pray for us, and after I pray, uh, then I hope to see you online in our discussion group. If not, I'll see you next week. But join me in prayer. God, we are thankful for your generosity in our lives. Not just the, the things that you give us, the stuff that's around us, but God, the, the, the hope that you have bestowed in our life, the joy that you put together, formed and shaped and bestowed into our lives, the peace that you brought in that could not, that is, that is without understanding where it came from, you poured it into our lives. God, allow us to open our hearts, our hands, and our minds to receive that from you so that it fills up our lives in such a way that when we see needs in other people, we can't help but throw our pantry doors open and pull out the ingredients that you have poured into our life and put something together beautifully to share with others. God, help us not to just do acts of generosity, but to become people of generosity. Thanks for doing that in our lives first. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope to see you online. Not have a great week.